I'm surprised that he has time to actually write articles because he's usually just sucking off Frank Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of delighted Spurs fans and a marginally less delighted Leeds fan called Dave. I am Dags, your usual host, returning after a week out. My voice has returned, although Spurs gave it a bit of a test yesterday. And let me take this opportunity to thank Elio. As listeners last week will have heard, he did a perfectly able job of filling in for me. So Elio, well done on that. Elio joins me along with Dave, of course, and Joe, team regulars. We have a lot to talk about today. It is Sunday, the 20th of February, and we had a huge win yesterday against Man City. We're going to talk all about that, all about the performances in that. And of course, we have a couple of games to look forward to, one of which being Burnley and the other one being the Leeds game. So that's going to be a hell of an episode coming up for you in the future. But obviously, we're going to talk about the Man City game today. And to help me do that will be, first of all, Elio. I'm going to come to you first and say once again, thanks for filling in last week. How did you find stepping into my hosting shoes? I enjoyed it. I generally would rather be in this spot where I can go full <laughs> throttle with my opinion. So I'm glad you're hosting this week. It's well timed. I wouldn't like to have to be Mr. Sensible after a game like yesterday's. But uh, no, it was good fun. I definitely look forward to the next time whenever that may be. Well, thankfully, despite Spurs' best efforts, my voice has just about recovered. So hopefully we can get through the next hour or so with me managing to speak. And on that topic, actually, we got an email from Big Mike Brooker saying, compliments to Elio. He stepped into the breach after a difficult week and the boy done well. I thought so. There you go. No higher praise than that. (laughs) There you go. You did very well. Dave, welcome back. Sorry it's not been the best day for you, but I'm sure you can't wait to talk about Spurs and Man City. Yes. Hi, Dags. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I I, I still hate football uh, (laughs) and I'm not excited about next weekend. So I've got seven days, six days now to, to G myself up for that. I do wonder sometimes, Dave, if this is going to be the last episode. Every time I think, could this be the episode we finally lose, Dave, and he finally gives up on us altogether? Well, to be honest, it's quite nice talking about not Leeds. Well, unfortunately, we are going to have to talk about Leeds because they are one of our upcoming opponents. You can talk about it, sure. <laughs> I can't stop you. <laughs> imagine, though, imagine your respite from having to live through the pain of Leeds being having to live vicariously through <laughs> the pain of Spurs fans. I mean, when Spurs used to be much, much worse than we are now, I used to make myself feel better by watching the formative years of Messi at Barcelona. And yeah. that's what made me forget about how horrible Spurs were. This just feels mm. like some twisted form of Stockholm syndrome, almost. Yeah, there's, a, there's an element of kicking me when I'm already down. That's pretty much an analogy for football in general, isn't it? Stockholm syndrome. We pretty much just we've all fallen in love with our <laughs> Probably. They've got you and they can't let you go. Also joining me is Joe. Joe, welcome back for another episode of the show. Are you excited about today's show? Uh, I think it's a brilliant lineup today. I mean, we've got a great game to talk about. And then a lot of excitement looking ahead to the next week. We have indeed. And we're slightly late to our recording today because you and I were in a little bit of a sidebar planning next week's episode, which is going to be quite an exciting one. We've got the return of Elio versus Dave, haven't we? And it is. It's the sequel to the hugely successful earlier competition. And we've got something pretty colourful lined up for you guys for next weekend. <laughs> We're pulling out all the stops. Elio, Dave, you will be very excited for that one. Colourful like our 90s goalkeeper kits. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, that's probably fair to say. Yeah. More or less, it probably would be the 90s goalkeeper kit of quizzes. So yeah. Great. Let's talk about that unbelievable game. I mean, that's 
got to be result of the season so far, surely. Elio, talk to me about Man City 2, Spurs 3 at the Etihad. What are your emotions right now? <laughs> I've calmed down now. It's uh, It's been an entire sort of day since the final whistle, but I still feel exhausted. Um, <laughs> in the same way that when Spurs are expected to take advantage of a good situation and push on at home to Wolves and Southampton with many games in hand on the fourth place team and then they screw up when Spurs are expected to implode they and there were people talking about a potential 6-0 hammering in Conte's last match and then Mm. they go and put on this sort of Almost, and I say almost because we still had a couple of sloppy mistakes in there, but this almost perfect execution of the one game plan that can actually stop a Manchester City side that's taken something like 43 points from the last 45 or whatever crazy statistic it was that, mm. that, that I heard. So yeah, Spurs keep you on your toes. I think that's fair to say. And I don't think my toes can take much more of this. <laughs> Yeah, on that note, we've got a couple of tweets here. There's one here from Paul O'Keefe on Twitter. There's no in-between with Tottenham, is there? It's literally all or nothing with their performances. They were unbelievable tonight. And then I've got another one here from Bankrupt Spurs on Twitter saying, just bet my life savings on us losing to Burnley. I know how this works. So there we go. I think we've we've all had that thought process. And it's interesting because I said before the game, I said, you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if we win this just because it would be typical after all. Yeah, and Dave last week said what I think was probably a fair sentiment for all of us to go into this match thinking, which is go in and actually end the game with a bit of dignity. Even if we lose, don't go in and have yet another game where we feel let down by sloppiness and a lack of energy and a lack of a cohesion. And I don't know if it's because the cameras were on them on the big stage in in a Mm. huge game. I don't know if it was pretty much all inspired by one man saying, please buy me next summer. This is what I can do. (laughs) But but something very, very good happened yesterday. And forget what possession stats and touch stats and shot stats say. We deserved this win yesterday. We really did. Yeah, there's more than one way to win a football match, isn't there? And on the topic of that one man you just mentioned, um, Joe, can you summarise Harry Kane? Kane's performance yesterday in a word for me. Everything. Mm, good word. Just He just had everything, didn't he? You know, his passing from midfield has been brilliant for months. And we've said that's mm. the one good thing about his game, even though we weren't massively happy with how deep he's been, you know, playing. But he had the goals and they were confidently taken goals. The passing was there and his running off the ball was great. I, I can't remember the last time I saw Kane running so well off the ball. So he just, he just had mm. everything yesterday, which was great to see. Yep. Jamie Carragher said it's one of the best performances he's seen this season. Another tweet here saying that is the best game Harry Kane has played in a Spurs shirt, which is quite a bold claim. Would anyone necessarily agree with that? I mean, it's hard to think of a better game because how do you play a better game than that? Um, Finish that one-on-one. <laughs> uh, yeah, quite. Uh, but then you don't know what happens after that. Does he score the final goal? Who knows? Mm. Um, I think the fact that there's a last-minute winner in there pretty much adds a special kind of gloss to it as well. There's nothing yeah. better than a last-minute winner in any kind of football match. It's always more exciting than a, a drab 4 or 5-0 win. Not that we know much <laughs> about that in recent times. But yeah, I can't think... Of many games from any player 
in this league anyway, that have been more complete. You, you've had maybe more flair-filled and enthralling performances from the likes of Salah, Bale when we had him, Cristiano Ronaldo once upon a time. But mm. but in terms of a complete forwards performance, that was absolutely something else. Berbatov had one similar for us many, many years ago against Bolton. We were down to 10 men at home. Robbie Keane got himself sent off, but we were already in the lead at that point, And it was Bolton and he didn't actually score, even though he played sort of a perfect number nine performance. I think we won the game 4-1 or something like that. This was against the best team in the world. This was the kind of culmination of about nine months worth of constant talk about Harry Kane in a Manchester City context somewhere or another. (laughs) And like Joe said, he did absolutely everything. Maybe his sort of huge breakout game against Chelsea in his first season when he made John Terry look like Anton Ferdinand, I don't know. But uh, (laughs) really, I think this was the perfect striker's performance, yeah. It's interesting because the record books will say two goals, but he may as well have had an assist, a pass through to Son, the the hockey assist, as we say. One of the passes of the season. On his left foot as well. I mean, that was that was pretty outrageous. And of course, let's not forget, he did actually score what would have been a third goal or a second goal at the time that was disallowed through no fault of his either. Dave, I didn't want this to necessarily get onto a big discussion about Harry Kane right this early. But while we're on him, is he a unique footballer? Is there anyone else in the world quite like Harry Kane at the moment when he's at his best? That's an interesting question. I'd be tempted to say no, and I'm tempted to say there are some others that are like him. But you are talking about elite strikers who have that ability to do essentially more than one role in a team. And, you know, you could argue that he's doing it better. Well, when he's doing it like he did it on Saturday, he's doing it better than anybody else can do. Because you're absolutely right. You know, the assist, Mm. assist, yeah. But also the finish. I mean, that first finish was sick. (laughs) It was was excellent. Like, I mean, and that's a player with absolutely bags of confidence, Mm. even when other people might think that he shouldn't have that much, much confidence. Because that is... That could be embarrassingly bad, the way that he played that. With the inside of his foot, placing it into the top yeah. corner, absolutely superb mm-hmm. finish. And I think, you know, Conte's obviously helped him find his mojo and he's definitely in a really good place at the moment. And I think, I can't think of many performances that I've seen of recent times that have been better. I think when we're talking about Kane as compared to other great strikers in the world, the, the only one that I can think of that maybe has a similar kind of combo of skill set is Benzema and he developed that far Mm. later in his career whereas Mm. Kane has kind of been building up to this sort of style for quite a few years but when you look at Benzema when you look at Lewandowski at Bayern Munich who is undeniably an unbelievable striker and Mm. there is an argument saying the best in the world when you look at Ronaldo when he was at his peak all these years before going back to United recently obviously all these guys were playing for the best team in a league that is not as hard as the Premier League. Mm. Harry Kane has never been in the best team in the Premier League and is playing in a team that is far from the best in a much tougher league that has at least three sides that are clearly better than us and several sides that are around the same level as us. To me, that is a lot more impressive than Benzema at Madrid or Lewandowski at Munich or even Haaland at Dortmund, who, once again, exceptional striker, but Dortmund are the second best team in a much weaker league. I mean... Mm. it's almost not worth talking about because the playing fields are so different. I think what Kane is doing for us is exceptional because when I was growing up, we were a mediocre side who are lit up by one or two good players at a time, by Junala, 
Klinsman, Berbatov when we were beginning to get a little bit better, Robbie Keane. Now we're at, I know we're having a rough run, but generally in the context of the last decade of which Harry Kane has been with us the most part, we've been a good and sometimes a great side and Harry Kane has still lit us up. So Mm. I think there's a difference there. Yeah, I think that's a very fair comment to say. I'm almost reluctant to even go there, but you can't help but imagine him in that Man City side and what he would do there. Let's hope it doesn't happen, or at least not anytime soon, but it is a frightening prospect. Um, it's interesting because I, I watched the match with an Arsenal fan, incidentally, and we were just talking about this beforehand. And um, I watched a video recently about how the number 10 appears to be slowly dying out in football. And there's been a lot of talk about how you don't really get that many traditional number nines. And a lot of teams are playing without a nine or a false nine or something. And somehow Harry Kane is persisting as both simultaneously, which is pretty crazy. Joe, do you think that at the moment Harry Kane is kind of one of the last remaining traditional number 10 type players in world football? That's a... Would you not necessarily categorise him that way? That's an interesting question. Well, the thing, like, the thing we've been saying for the last couple of years is how obvious it seemed that Kane wanted to become a number 10 and play more of that, almost like he wanted to be in, like a, in a very messy role. And it seems ironic because, as you're discussing, that role is now becoming quite unfashionable. Mm. But I just think the one good thing we've had to say about Kane this season where he's just struggled and was completely anonymous at the start, obviously is at least his passing just seems to get better and better from midfield. But today, he was also the number nine getting on the end, you know, of crosses and one-on-ones with all that running off the ball, like I say. So it's really hard to define him right now. It's all trying to figure out where he wants to play, but he Mm. just fits the number 10 role so well that I hope it isn't dying out because it just seems to work for him. Yeah, well, if he plays like that, he can play where he wants, right? (laughs) Dave, I want to ask you about the match now. I mean, we'll come back onto Harry Kane at some point, but let's just talk about the game because Elio said that he feels we deserve to win that game and we won it fair and square. And obviously some of the stats might point in the opposite direction. And I know stats aren't everything. We looked at 72% possession for Man City, which is outrageous let's be honest they had a lot more passes into the box they had a lot more shots albeit we actually had one more on target do you agree with that do you think Spurs were deserved winners yesterday I certainly think so yeah I think the way in which you approached the game the way you came out and tried to play your game like we like we mentioned earlier like Elio said you know leaving it on the field and actually you know you had goal disallowed which was very unlucky, you know. It was, you know, it was it, you know. I think probably what one pass earlier would have been deemed not part of the same passage of play, and it had probably been given as a goal anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think you definitely deserved it. I think it was really quite refreshing to watch, to be honest, as a neutral, you know, because you know there is a big danger that City run away with the league, and it, it just is nice. Yeah, you know, the Palace win earlier in the season at the Etihad is a bit weird. It's a weird result, like a freak yeah. result. This isn't a freak result. This is a good team beating a good team. And it's always nice when you see that, especially when you don't expect it. And, you know, I was actually out having a few drinks with some friends, but we watched the last 20 minutes on my phone yeah. because it was worth yeah. watching in the middle of a German beer hall. So it's that kind of stuff that makes you enjoy watching the Premier League, quite frankly. Mm. Spurs are contributing more than their fair share of exciting games this season, aren't they? I mean, you look at the Liverpool game was one of the games of the season. Obviously, it happened at the end of the Leicester game and now this... Nothing else. It's exciting watching Spurs. And just on the Man City thing, this is an interesting point. Man City have lost three times this year. Two of those were to Tottenham. They've dropped 12 points all season. Six of those were to Tottenham. Elio, is there 
anything in that? I mean, why do we do so well? And it's not just this season. We've had results against them in the past when they've been flying. What is it that gives us an edge over Man City or makes us relatively quite good compared to when we play Chelsea or Liverpool or any of the other teams that just seem to routinely beat us? What do we have over City? Guardiola, listen, there's always been teams that pressed. Guardiola is the the goddaddy of high-pressing football with mm. when he took Barcelona off of Rijkaard's hands and took a bunch of players that didn't want to do that much running because they were so good they didn't need to. He shipped off Ronaldinho, tried to ship off Eto, didn't manage to straight away, got rid of Deco as well, I believe, and got players like Xavi, mm. Iniesta, Messi... Henri Eto got them absolutely driving forward and pressing hard and that is one of the reasons why they had such great possession because no other team could ever have the ball more than 10 seconds and then when Barcelona (laughs) did get it they obviously kept it extremely well he's done this with Manchester City at probably another level to what he did at Barcelona this is a better side than his Barcelona side was it's just that this side hasn't got Messi which that side did and put Messi in Stoke and they'll win the Premier League at that point anyway. But Unless they play on a Tuesday night. <laughs> the one vulnerability that side will always have with that high line is pace in behind, pace in behind. And that's why Kyle Walker is so important. And he mm. won a couple of foot races with Son yesterday, as we know. Yeah. Thankfully, not every foot race, given Son's involvement in our goals. But that is the vulnerability of that side. And since Pochettino took us, even though we were a possession-based team, we still scored a lot of our goals on the counter. We roped out teams, we brought them in and then hit them hard. Dembele would win the ball sort of on the halfway line. And we had that kind of counter press, which Klopp has taken taken to a whole new level with the Gegen press and we we absolutely got in behind at pace didn't matter how quick the opposition fullbacks were because we caught them when they were disorganized and didn't have their footing right that is Guardiola's biggest vulnerability and that has been his entire experience of a Spurs team that has had Son Heung-min the entire time he has been in the Premier League so I don't want to put it down to Son Heung-min why Guardiola has a worse record against Spurs than any other Premier yeah. League side but it kind of is down to Son Heung-min it's down to that ability to counter and press and whether we're possession based or whether we're more in our current incarnation of sort of a bit more fluid depending on our position, probably a bit more mid-block than we were under Pochettino. We mm. still are a counter-attack side and Guardiola, that is his Achilles heel. I suppose it comes back to both Kane and Sonny in conjunction, doesn't it? You want mm. to have somebody with the ability to play a pass from deep and start that counter-attack as much as someone Used can... to be Ericsson, used to be Toby Alderweireld, yeah. now it's Kane. Probably the only other person who can play the ball like that is on the Man City team as well, Kevin De Bruyne. So. I think it's worth just pausing on Son for yeah. a second as well, because I think in a what must be for you frustratingly inconsistent season so far, mm. <laughs> he's been consistently very good. Yeah. You know, and he now you have potentially an opportunity for Kane and Son to be on form at the same time, which is obviously, you know, it's like, you know, you get hero status when you're on one of those beat em up games and then suddenly everything you do is amazing. Combo. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what you want to be. And we were talking weeks and weeks ago about Lucas Mora putting seven out of 10 minimums. And that was a kind of, you know, it's what, what you needed. Yeah. If you can get, Kane and Son doing eight, nine out of tens consistently, both of them on the pitch at the same time, then you've got such a chance, such a chance. Absolutely. Well, that happened a few times at the beginning of last season, didn't it? It did. In some of those ridiculous games, the Man United game, the Southampton game come to mind. The thing is, Son, when we were at our peak and our first choice kind of attack was always sort of 
Kane, Eriksen, Delhi plus one, Nasser Chadley for a bit, then Lamella for a bit, and eventually Son broke his way. And until Son made himself a first-choice player, mm. the kudos Son always got was when he actually came in for Kane and was playing without Kane. So for a few years, mm. Son's best work was almost when he was coming in for Kane. That's not the horrible, complete sort of misconception that Son was better without Kane and we were better without Kane and with Son. Yeah. That was a load of bollocks. Which a lot but of people said. But... Son, Son, a lot of his goals and a lot of what endeared him to the Spurs fans was him stepping in in Kane's absence and scoring loads and loads of goals. And then there came sort of the birth of Kane and Son together, sort of maybe Pochettino's last year, Mourinho's sort of first, that kind of thing. And it went up a level. But the team around it was kind of a, well, we're just trying to try and get the ball to you and see (laughs) what you guys can do with it. And that's not sustainable long term because you're just going to end up being very predictable. Kulusevski, and listen, I don't want to heap pressure on a 21-year-old learning the league who was underwhelming in his first couple of games, but Kulusevski was a big part of that yesterday as well because by having a player that was a little bit different to those two, a bit more heads up than Son and a bit more willing to do the leg work than Kane. By having that player there, he actually helped bring out a lot of the best of the other two. And he also gave Cancelo a hard time. Cancelo gave him a hard time in reverse as well, obviously. But by having that player there, much like when Deli and Kane were at their best, it was when they had Ericsson playing sort of kind of 8-10 hybrid for them. That's kind of what Kulusevski was doing yesterday. And Mm. it may not be his natural game. I don't know. I've I've seen all of three matches of the kids, but it really seemed to complement what the other two were doing. And I think the fact that Kane could play that pass to Son and Son didn't just have to shoot or try and round the keeper or chip him, but he actually had a guy to pass to. Because mm. I was watching that and I was thinking, Son's going to miss this. He's just going to hit it straight at Edison or he's going to sky it or he's going to take one too many touches. But Kulusevski was there and he played it across and he scored. And... And I think variation is what keeps an attack dangerous. And this isn't to disrespect Lucas, who definitely has his use. But I think that uh, really it was a big part of why the other two managed to play their peak game at the same time yesterday. It's interesting because when we were talking about Kulusevski, when we signed him, we were looking at all the stats and the stats seemed to suggest that he was quite a defensive forward, right? In the sense that he was pressing, he was making blocks, interceptions, he was running and and that seemed to come true in the game yesterday. He was tracking back against Cancelo quite a lot of the time, but definitely had a good game, didn't he? And we talked about Son and let's not forget, a couple of assists again from Son. So it wasn't just Harry Kane. This wasn't Kane Mm. dragging us on a, you know, he wasn't a one-man team by any means. And there were quite a few standout performers there. So Joe, I want to come to you. I want to ask you who you were particularly impressed with aside from Son. We've just mentioned obviously a couple of players there, but talk me through the team. I mean, it's one of those games where everyone was at least quite good. Who stood out for you? Yeah, it it was. I mean, it feels like we've often talked about our double pivot midfields being the most robust and useful thing. But actually, I forgot kind of about what the midfield got involved with during that game because it was all about what was going on attacking and going on defensively. So, Lloris, I mean, Lloris obviously made that brilliant save from Gundogan that looked almost certain to go in the top right. The anticipation and the athleticism to, to stop that was brilliant. But he did also cause a couple of situations where City either nearly scored or did get a goal. And you could kind of pin the blame on, on Reese potentially. It was a little bit mixed. You blame him for the equaliser, right? Yeah, exactly. The back three, though, I thought the back three looked really good, which 
doesn't make sense because it's been awful the three games prior, certainly the three league games prior, and it didn't necessarily feel like... It's a different three to what we have been playing. It's a different three, but it, it didn't feel Dyer, like obviously. just Eric Dyer coming back necessarily changed it. I thought Romero and, and Ben Davis looked way better today than the last couple of games. I mean, maybe that is down to Dyer coming into the team, but we were criticising Conte last week for the coaching maybe being a bit of an issue defensively. But it, it feels like there was never a problem when you watched yesterday's performance. But I thought defensively looked a lot better against the most informed, dangerous team in Europe right now. Anyway, bring it back to what you said last week. Do you think if we had Sanchez in for Dyer this week in this game, it would have been a different we story? Lose. Mm. We lose. I think Romero is better for us currently. Who knows what the future holds, but currently he's better when he plays on the right because he is very committed very very committed and I love him for it but if you overexpose yourself on the right of the defence there's two centre-backs to mop up if you do it in the middle then the goalkeeper has to make a save and Larissa's recent displays maybe saves that straight back into someone's path so I think Romero is benefiting from being back on the right I think Dyer is the only real talker we have in defence and listen he's not the most Mm. gifted footballer but he is a talker he is someone who can take on a manager's instructions Gareth Southgate said it about him for England as well which is why he always used to get picked Mm. he can take on manager's instructions and organise around him and also there's the whole kind of cat and dog idea with defence Davies, even though he's not the quickest, is a committed player. He loves going in for a tackle, which is nice on that side because Sessegnon and Reguilon, whichever of them plays, they're both a little bit flimsy. And having Dyer there to be a bit of a cooler head, a bit more of a, a reactive defender as opposed to a proactive defender absolutely helped. So I think Mm. Dyer coming back in, without him doing anything exceptional yesterday, in fact he actually made one bad mistake early on in the match but it improves the unit, it complements each other better In, in the same way that in midfield you wouldn't want to have two guys in a double pivot just chasing the ball down constantly and leaving gaps in behind. You'd want like Gerard and Lampard used to. You'd want one to press forward and the other to sit deep and read things. Mm. That that's what Dyer is to Romero. He's the he's the sitter to Romero and Davies on the other side presser. Sanchez is a presser as well and when you have all three of them together, well it just gives a lot of joy to teams wanting to get in behind you, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. While we're on Romero, penalty fair, everyone agree? It I mean, was. I- at the time, I it's, must admit, as, as you guys saw in the WhatsApp group, I was a little bit enraged. But having watched it back, I think his arm probably was slightly above his head. It was away from his body. Listen, I don't think it was worth a booking like Guardiola was screaming for because, yeah. well, Pep's got a pep. But um, <laughs> it's I do think he, he was throwing himself at the ball. He didn't really know what direction the ball was going in. It was a metre and a half away and it was 80 miles an hour like yeah. his At arms worst, he's all instinctively covering his face right you know, he's not just... even that I mean his arm's just flailing if anything he may well have been trying to get mm. his arm out of the way and inadvertently whacked the ball down but yeah. if his reflexes are that good that that was deliberate then he should be a goalkeeper not a centre-back but it was a penalty <laughs> it was definitely a penalty well, speaking of our goalkeeper, he had no chance of saving the penalty, but do we need to be worried about Loris? I mean, he has no. probably been at fault for three goals in the last two games, technically speaking, but as Joe mentioned, he made an excellent save not long afterwards. 
are you allowed that as keeper? Can you make a few mistakes and not fire off alarm bells? And Joe may disagree with me on this, but I think Lloris is the least of our worries right now. I think he's been exceptional for a sustained period of time. The fact that it's dipped a notch straight after contract signing is nothing but horrible coincidence, but he'll get back mm. to standard quick enough. We don't need to worry about Hugo. Something about French goalkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Melia's had your heart in your mouth a few times, hasn't he? He does, but at the same time, he also pulls off world-class saves, and he's 21. Yeah, he's 21. sometimes is easy to forget. 21 goalkeeper in this league. He looks 12, genuinely. Every time I see him, I can't believe he's a professional footballer. Have you heard him talk? No. Has he got a really squeaky voice? He sounds like the Terminator. Really? That's amazing. He dogs dogs like this. I need to (laughs) find this now. That's brilliant. Compare the amount of football he's played at his age to the amount that uh, Henderson at United has played at older. And I don't think... I think even Pope was behind Tom Heaton until he was about Mm. 25, 26 as well. Like For a 21-year-old to be a first-choice goalkeeper at a Premier League side, I think it's exceptional. I think he's going to be something special. Yeah, if he keeps this up, he might even be France's third or fourth choice keeper by his prime. <laughs> well, he is actually, he is actually, I think, second choice for the France under-21s. Is it? Yeah. They, they, they do all right for keepers. It must suck being a French footballer, though, when you're not one of the best in the world, because that's what you need to be to get into well, that did, team. Did they, they, Any position. They, they did a potential 11, didn't they, of people that didn't go to, yeah, the, uh, to the Euros, and they would have won the Euros, basically. <laughs> yeah. And yet somehow Musa Sissoko started a European Championships <laughs> final. Everybody makes mistakes. He's still haunting our podcast. He doesn't even play for us anymore. And we still have to mention him at least once an episode, don't we? Um, did anyone get a little bit nervous when we were approaching 100 minutes of playing time in that game? It seemed to go on a little bit longer. I know we had a couple of goals in that time. It felt a bit Fergie time, didn't it? Mm. Especially when you look back and you see the reaction of the fourth official almost seeming... Craig Porson, yeah. Almost seeming like he was grimacing at our at yeah. our winner. I, I'm sure he wasn't. I, I'm sure it's a bad camera angle, but, mm. but it doesn't make you feel great about the ethics of the game when you see stuff like that. And all of a sudden there's nine minutes injury time. Listen, yeah. we scored a goal in injury time. They scored a goal in injury time. That's at least one of those two minutes. Excess of celebration on both goals uh, that's probably another minute uh, I understand it but doesn't mean I'm happy with it did either of you guys see that Joe Day did you see the clip of Craig Porson on the sidelines he's standing next to Guardiola and I, someone shared it oh, and they yeah. said is this a bit suspect the reaction of the fourth official and I had to watch it about three or four times before I realised that he was their fourth official and not one of the Man City coaching staff <laughs> because I was like who who am I looking at and he, he just he looked gutted like the goal goes in and he's like oh <sighs> He looks like he, he and, and it's like he's not even trying to hide. I mean, like Elio said, it could just be a bad angle that just makes it look worse. I'm sure if he genuinely had an agenda, he would hide it better than that. But still, it was quite funny. Maybe if he's already written his match report. <laughs> yeah. Well, Got to write that maybe again. Maybe one of his mates had Kane in their fantasy team in his mini league. No. <laughs> I did not have Kane in my fantasy team, unfortunately. I think I did purely because I haven't changed it in so long <laughs> that I think he's still there and potentially even my captain. There's one thing I will say about yesterday, because we haven't sort of, we've talked very kind of idealistically and emotionally about it. If you actually look at the stats from the game, I think Manchester City had four shots on targets the entire match from yep. something like 21, 22 attempts, which speaks volumes about the quality of those shots. One of those shots was a penalty. Mm. Two of those shots was an overhit cross that Loris parried into Gundogan, who then scored another. And the yeah. fourth of those was the long ranger from Gundogan that got tipped round the post. 
those were Manchester City's four on target chances that match. So an overhit cross that got palmed into someone's path and then the goal that came from that, a pen and a long shot. That says to me that even with two goals conceded, the game plan bloody well worked. And I mean, yep. forget the result for a second because the game plan cannot work and you win. That says that the game plan did work. Not to mention the fact that Kane missed an absolute sitter from by far the best passing move of the match. All right, sitter, oh. great save from Edison. It was, yeah. And Kulusevski being the width of a Nats bollock offside denied Kane <laughs> another goal. So, and Kane actually put through Son another time down the right as well. And Son ended up going yeah. through, but didn't have the support to make it happen. We created the best chances, and I always try to measure a match by which team had the most good chances. And listen, I don't know what the XG says, but I do know what my eyes tell me. And my eyes tell me that this was a thoroughly deserved win. I think the XG was close. I think the penalty would have skewed it a bit because penalty is always, what is it, 0.7 or something by default. But yeah, absolutely. 72% possession means nothing when you're not creating chances with it, right? You mentioned Kulisevsky there, and earlier you talked about him a little bit. Joe, on the whole, obviously he's taken a bit of time to settle in, but clearly his best performance, and I guess he showed us a bit of what he could do yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, massive step change uh, for him because he just covered so much ground and he seemed to work so well in the patterns of play with Kane and Son up front. So it, it was always going to be interesting seeing him starting in a front three and it looked like they'd been doing it for months. So that's really promising. Yeah. And he's, like you said earlier, Dags, not quite the player that I thought he was going to be. He He seems to be a bit more creative than people had kind of been suggesting he certainly seems to work quite nicely with like fast moving into play so it's great that he's got mm. seemingly a lot of strings to his bow he kept his nerve to play a perfect cross in the 95th minute also <laughs> that's got to be worth something Incidentally, that goal is the latest winner that has been scored against man city since 2009 whatever that's worth. So we're setting these nice late, late winning stats quite a lot at the moment, aren't we? We are. I mean, we might joke about it and say it's a pointless stat, but if nothing else, surely that shows desire. That shows a never say die attitude, right? I mean, it does. We, we never had this before. We weren't scoring goals late on. We, we were falling apart in second halves in the early half of the season. So well, that, that's the Conte effect, isn't it? Maybe it is. You know, you, you wouldn't get that with Nuno. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Conte, who's seen his celebrations on the winning goal. I love. I just love it. I'll never get bored of seeing him <laughs> Poor jump Mason, into his guy. coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. One last quick thing. I want just because we talked mm-hmm. about one new player. I just want to yes. mention the other new player because I've heard a few people criticizing Benton Kerr for losing the ball near our own area a few times and that kind of thing. It's because he's bloody trying to do something yeah. with it. And the same reason he loses the ball occasion in an area you don't want him to is also what led to our first goal and him actually playing that pass out of defense into mm. Kane's feet to put Son through. Harry Winks doesn't play that pass. Hoybier doesn't play that pass. I'm pretty sure Skip doesn't either. That is a midfielder taking responsibility. He's going to make mistakes better than having yet another crab. That's it again. It's going to come down to these fake stats not really actually meaning anything in the pass completion rates and everything like that. I always bring up the example of Bruno Fernandes having the lowest pass completion at Man United and we've all seen the amount of assists that he gets and how crucial he is to how they play. So yeah, absolutely. Mm. Dave, how scared are you of Spurs right now? Or are you expecting us to be a completely different team when we play you? I'm not oh, yeah. scared, so to speak. You look scared. <laughs> uh, I'm, we, Leeds, are the makers of our own downfalls most most times. I think it will be an interesting game. I'm not going to say any more. <laughs> <That> sounds decidedly <laughs> withheld. Okay, fair enough. Well, look, we'll get on to talk about Leeds in a moment, but I guess let's go chronologically. So our next opponents are obviously Burnley. 
who unfortunately for us seem to be under a little bit of a revival. They've signed Weghorst, who Elliot, I remember as a player that you were quite interested in when we were tentatively linked to him at one point. Big lump of a centre forward who I think only Lewandowski has scored more goals than him in the Bundesliga up until now or something ridiculous like that. So obviously he's hit the ground running with a goal. They've won 3-0 in their last game, looking pretty good. Potential banana skin, yeah? It's it's never easy. I mean, Burnley away was pretty much the beginning of the end for Pochettino in the 18-19 season. We went up there, we got absolutely mugged off by the refs that day. Pochettino had a big old rant against, I think, Mike Dean. Mike Dean definitely deserves it. He is a cockwomble of the highest <laughs> order. But Pochettino had a big old rant after we lost that game. And I had that word in a while. Things begun to unravel from there. Listen, Spurs are the soft London touch who get their bellies tickled when they go up north. It's been the case my entire life. And Burnley is one of those grounds where you know we should be winning, but you always worry we're not going to because they're going to be a bit tough and a bit aggressive. And lo and behold, one of their current better performers is Spurs alumni in Aaron Lennon. So he's bound to try and screw yeah. us as well. And what a goal, he's got a lovely yeah. goal this weekend, Lovely actually. finish. Where was that yeah, for us? Yeah, it was beautiful. And I'm happy for him as well. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, hopefully he got it out of his system because he only ever used to get one a year for us anyway. But it was usually a good one. It's usually a last minute winner. Well, yeah. So I'm always uneasy about a game like that. But same way I spoke about Newcastle earlier on this season, we should win this game. Yes, they've picked up a little bit with a great win this weekend. Yes, they've signed a striker who's hit the ground running in about Vekhorst. And yes, it's a tough place to go. But I can't even name all 11 of their starters off the top of my head. I mean, which Burnley player would you take? Mm. So yeah, we, we need to win this game. But it's Spurs. And much as I led at the beginning of this show with when we're expected to do well, we don't. And when we're not, we do. I would not be surprised to see us screw up on Wednesday evening. I'm just glad I'm not going to be there. (laughs) Speaking of tough northern grounds where soft Spurs will go up and get shown up. Joe, is Ellen Road going to be one of those grounds for us? Are you a little bit nervous with the Dave component taken out of the game against Leeds? Yeah, I mean, for the same reasons that Elio just gave, that we shouldn't be particularly cocky about the um, the Burnley game. Um, you know, the, the Saints and Wolves game should really put some doubt and fear into us because this City yeah. result was amazing, but it comes off the back of an awful couple of games. Leeds are scoring goals. They're just, they're conceding a lot. And Ellen Road is just you know, a vociferous crowd at the best of times to go and take on. I mean, you could hear it, the crowd today, oh, the, yeah. the United game, the Man United game, sorry, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. Well corrected. <laughs> so, I mean, they'll be hurting as well after that, what is a derby for them, mm. and they'll want to take it out on someone. So, you know, that 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 is two potentially tricky trips up north in a row. I'm not massively confident. I'm not just saying that because Dave's here. That's not an easy fixture. No, no, I wouldn't imagine so. Well, Dave, I want to ask you about Leeds at the moment in general. I mean, obviously, the game today, not the result you wanted. I mean, it was it was kind of half football, half water polo, really, wasn't it? It was. I'm not really sure how much you can take away from a hmm. game where the ball was just not rolling anywhere and everyone was splashing around and sliding all over the place. But... Do you think there's anything to worry about specifically from your side? Now, you said you're the architects of your own downfall. Is there anything in particular that worries you just generally when you're playing at Leeds at the moment rather than from the opposition? Or? Um, I think we are conceding too many goals. Mm. We are very good at making other teams look good by giving them too much space in the box, certainly for set mm. pieces. Sky Sports did you dirty today, didn't they? The Sky Sports absolutely <laughs> screwed us. 
by corner. by putting the putting the corner yeah. stat that Man United have not scored from a corner and then absolutely scored straight away from the corner. Yeah. Obviously, that was always going to happen. But yeah, it's frustrating, and we've conceded fifty goals now this season. We've actually only scored two goals less than you. You mentioned set pieces, obviously, that was always going to happen, but presumably that is a problem and this isn't the first time that has been a problem. Yeah. Spurs perhaps aren't, you know, they're not West Ham, we're not scoring every set piece we take either at any, any point, but that's, you think that's an area that you can be exploited in? Yeah, it definitely is. It's quite frustrating, it's always been the way, with Leeds for the past three and a half years now, since Bales started. I'm not sure if it just doesn't see the value in set piece defending drills, but it, it just doesn't seem to be on his agenda, which is which is mad when you consider how thorough and how detailed he is as a coach. But this is our tough run. The Everton defeat was worse last week rather than I mean, obviously we hate losing to Scum, but yeah. they're a billion pound team and they should be beating us. We've got Liverpool on Wednesday, who are a billion pound team and they should be beating us. And we've got you guys on next Saturday and you're not far off being a billion pound team. Three billion, apparently. Well, there you go. And you could argue that you should beat us as well. Um, these aren't the games that are going to determine whether we stay up or go down. It'll be the six after that, where we're playing basically a lot of mid-table teams. Mid-table teams that if we win a few of those games, we will be one of those mid-table teams. It's a bit strange because you know we've we've been on patchy form but everybody's on patchy form in the bottom half of the league. Yeah. So even, you know, you, you, you guys are talking about Burnley. You're running scared of Burnley because Vought Veghorst has scored a goal. He's been playing for them for a month. It was his first goal yesterday. Don't, don't worry about it, guys. It's not a problem. It's Burnley. Well, it's more relaxed terrible. now he's scored. Terrible. But otherwise, we'd get the same thing you got from Sky Sports saying, well, oh, yeah, you get, you get played well, this many minutes without a goal. You guys you guys got the oldson Edward treatment, didn't you, earlier in the yeah, season? Oh, yeah. Well, basically, yeah. Vekos just did that to Brighton. He won't score again. <laughs> So I don't, I don't think you need to worry about that. Uh, but, but yeah, in terms of the, the relegation fight, it's, mm-hmm. it's. I feel far out of the way not to be panicky, but at the same time, I could, we could really do with a couple of positive results. You must be loving Frank Lampard's Everton at the moment. They could genuinely go down. Well, they beat us obviously, which was oh, unpleasant, yeah, course, yeah. very unpleasant. Mm. But that was clearly Frank's cup final, <laughs> so they've reverted to time now. So yeah, that's great. Fair enough. Okay. Elliot, what do you expect from Leeds? So obviously, we've talked about the link between Bielsa and Guardiola. Not completely miles apart when it comes to the style of football. Perhaps, sorry Dave, Man City might execute it slightly better on occasion. But do you think maybe. it will be a similar kind of game? I mean, obviously, at Ireland Road, they might have a lot of the ball. Do you think maybe we could see some parallels between that and the Man City game? Or do you think it's a different proposition? I mean, last season when we played to soak up and hit Leeds on mm. the counter at Ellen Road under Mourinho, we battered them. Then... Later on in the season, when we played to go toe-to-toe with Leeds under Mason at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Leeds absolutely bossed us. This season, I feel like we can probably afford to go toe-to-toe with Leeds a little bit more than we could last season, because they're missing key players, they're missing Phillips, they're missing Bamford, who are their two best players along with Rafinha and they're not really riding a wave the way they were last season so my heart tells me I wouldn't want us to play against Leeds the way we play against Manchester City however Leeds will play like Leeds one thing we know about Bielsa is he doesn't compromise on how he wants to play so maybe I need to go a bit head over heart there and just think actually if this is what works against Leeds this is what we should be doing but I'd like to think that with a bit of renewed confidence and some very good players in our side, if we actually go to take the game to Leeds, 
will win. Conte is the one being paid the big bucks, not me, for very good reason, obviously. So if he decides, let's go with this sort of mid-block counter-attack and it works, then great. But I feel like we should have more ambition than that against... And I'm not trying to sort of troll Dave here. Obviously, I want him to keep coming back on this podcast, but uh, against a side who's fighting at the wrong end of the table and who aren't high on confidence right now, I don't think we should be playing to stop them. I think we should be playing yeah. to to enforce our game on you them. You sound a little bit bitter about the fact that Conte got the Spurs job over you, Elio. Are you going to apply in the summer if he walks and he's not bad with the money he wants? Well, that's what all the papers are saying after a, a very bad translation over from Italian, which yeah. he has since rectified and even called the journalist out over, but mm. they've got the, their agenda yeah, very there, selective choice of words out of context there, I think it's fair to say. Any Spurs fan who ever believes a word that that piss artist Matt Law says really needs to give their head a wobble. The guy is an utter tool. I think he probably got his degree in journalism from Clown College. And <laughs> Cockwomble College. Apart from the fact that he doesn't fact check and he's borderline illiterate, he is a serial liar about any club he has a beef with. These days, that beef is with us. I remember when West Ham banned him from their stadium for making up bullshit many, many years ago. So he just wrote article after article after article for, and listen, I hate West Ham, article <laughs> after article hammering them for about three months afterwards. He's he's a baby and his words aren't to be believed. I'm surprised that he has time to actually write articles because he's usually just sucking off Frank Lampard. <laughs> Before you interject with that, Dave, I was about to say, do you reckon we can get away with running all of this? I think you might have just answered my question there, but we'll see. Maybe we'll have to do some clever editing, just like they did with Conte's interview. Speaking of West Ham, they're in fifth, surrounded by all of our rivals, and we're sadly sitting in eighth at the moment, albeit I know we've got all these games in hand, but... I'm not sure how I feel about the table at the moment. Joe, you've been quiet for a little while. I feel like I always come to you about the table, but it's interesting to get your thoughts game on game because things change a lot in football and it's certainly not a disaster. We certainly have the top four within our reach, but the results could have gone better for us this weekend, couldn't they? Elsewhere, anyway. Well, yeah, the, yeah, results didn't quite go our way. Unfortunately, Arsenal seems to be picking up a, a little bit of form I still think West Ham do look a bit ropey at the moment and they've got, you know, European football to start yeah. worrying about again now. So that's going to be a, an added headache for them. Wolves form is, is mm. like ridiculously good, as we know, unfortunately. But those those two defeats, though, to Saints and Wolves, just such a set. I don't like you can't dwell on it, but it's such a setback for us because, you know, we could really be zoning in on the top four mm. now, but we've allowed United, sorry, Dave, <laughs> Man United <laughs> to slip in there. I mean, they're not a side that's in... I would say they're not in great form, but that's not true, actually, looking at their recent results. It feels like they're in terrible form, but they are picking up wins. So, no, it's not quite going our way for us, but we've only got ourselves to blame for those three consecutive league defeats. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably quite reassuring to know that we lost three in a row and we're still very much in the race for top four. It's just a case of what could have been and hopefully we're not looking back towards the end of the season at those. I mean, if City had hammered us yesterday... I would be in trouble. We, we would be in crisis mode now. This this would be mm. a, a pretty awful situation, including for Conte. It would be 10 points off fourth, games in hand or not. That's Mentally, that's tough to... Mm. But I guess you just got to take it one game at a time, haven't you? We're playing midweek against yep. Burnley, who Dave has just guaranteed us we're gonna win. And United are not Manchester United <laughs> are not playing, West Ham United are not playing, because they've played their full complement of games, whereas we have three in hand on both of them. And Arsenal and Wolves are playing one another. So 
we win on Wednesday and whatever happens, it's a good week for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good week yeah. for us anyway, let's be honest. You will have to mess up pretty <laughs> catastrophically. Oh, why did I even say that? What, what are you doing? Oh, I hate you. Dave, I have a suggestion. You know how sometimes people have a swear jar, they put a pound in every time they swear? Do you think we should, as a group, us three, have a united jar whenever we refer to Manchester United as simply united in your presence? And then we have to buy you drinks with it when the season ends. I, I think, think that's so. an excellent idea. It's it's a, a personal yeah. crusade of mine. You're not the only group who I have to constantly mm. correct. I feel it's disrespectful. It I want way. to make a conscious effort to avoid it myself. So I'm all for it. Great. Settled then. Great. Excellent. Great. <laughs> One more convert. Set up the jar. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, we are going to move on to some Challenge Elio fairly shortly. But before I do, I just want to put it out to the floor if anyone's got any final thoughts on either the games that are coming up or, of course, that excellent win against Man City. Guys, Elio, Dave, Joe, anything to add that we might have missed out? Any players that are worth a shout out? Or? Um, I just want to relive a quick memory of Leeds against Spurs. This is back in George Graham's time as our mm. manager. So all the way back in 2000, he won the League Cup with us the previous season. And we went up to Ellen Road. I'm not focusing on the results so much. The Football Association, this is the beginning of the match report. I'm not going to read the whole thing, don't worry. But from 29th March 2000, and I've been trying to rack my brain for ages which match this was. The Football Association has fined Leeds United and Tottenham Hotspur 150000 each for a mass player brawl during a game in February. The FA said it had considered deducting points from both teams for failing to control their players in the Premiership match at Ellen Road. FA spokesman Steve Double described their actions as violent, threatening and provocative. He said the FA had instead chosen to impose record fines and made it clear any future such outbursts would not be tolerated. Now, there's no particular rivalry between Leeds and Spurs, one picture of Dave Mackay and Billy Bremner aside. Two sides that have fairly kind of similar-ish histories, obviously less so recently, but... That match always stuck in my mind as a reason to dislike Leeds when I was younger. Also, the fact that you always used to bloody beat us didn't help. But that that always stuck in my head. I think it was sparked off by by a fairly bad tackle from Lee Bowyer and Stephen Clements, of all people. But uh, it it was really, really violent. And I remember, I think Anderton was Mm. involved, uh, and he was a bit of a wallflower, usually. Ian Hart stamped on Chris Perry, I think. Tim Sherwood was making obscene gestures to the crowd. It was was quite something. And it's always stuck in my mind, and I don't know why that in particular, because... Well, we've had others, yeah. but yeah, I, I thought that was worth bringing up. I would have put my money on Boya. A melee that Lee Boya was involved with. <laughs> <in. Shocker>. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was just saying, yeah. If you'd asked me to guess, who are you putting your money on? And before that, I was going to ask if one of the Spurs players referred to Man United as United. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Ian Hart stamping on Chris Perry sounds wrong, though. I'm pretty sure that, that was the other way around, probably. Well, let's hope for more of that next week when we play these. I think that, that'll be great fun for all concerned. Oh, let's yeah. 22-man yeah, brawl. Bring we'll it. about a Royal Rumble. Melier versus uh, Lloris. Melier versus Lloris for the France shirt. Yes, I like it. Fight to the Yeah, death. it was a two-foot challenge by Boyer and Clements that started it off. Um, oh, they call that the Boyer, don't they? And <laughs> and apparently both Leeds and Spurs argued that the players weren't trying to get into a brawl, but most of the players involved were actually trying to calm the situation. 
Sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I've used that one before. I think the boyer is something else, by the way, Dags. Something something we should repeat questionable. on here. Yeah. yeah, maybe I should have a pound pot for every time I say something potentially libelous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it is libelous, you have to spend a lot more than a pound. So, <laughs> we'll oh, yeah. see. Indeed. Yeah. No. If anyone's listening, please don't sue us. Um, right. Moving on. No. Um, well, look, libelous leads, Dave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if anyone has any thoughts whatsoever, I'm sure you've all got plenty of thoughts about the Man City game because it was spectacular. So please let us know anything that we might have missed and of course looking ahead to both our games coming up against Burnley and Leeds uh, we'd love to hear anyone's thoughts on that and of course get in touch to let us know how Elio did last week what do you think of Elio's hosting do you think I should retire do you think Elio should take over full time who knows let us know if you think that Son would beat Carl Walker in a 100 meters race anything you want just get in touch and we'd always love to hear from you on that note actually I think I can't remember if I mentioned this last time but we've got a couple of new countries on in the Plus Dave family we've had listeners from Finland and Russia most recently which is nice to see so our global reach is continually expanding which is fantastic so uh, and we're coming up on Timu Tainio and Roman Pavlyuchenko exactly Timu Tainio and Roman Pavlyuchenko there you go and they add extra additions to the Plus Dave FC starting lineup or maybe maybe the squad I don't know do either of those make the team Elio? We need to shake I things think up a bit, don't we? Tainio being a midfielder, which is one area where that squad mm. is short, actually helps move a few other players around and improves other positions, even if he wasn't the greatest player. Well, I'll tell you what, Elio, I will task you with creating an updated plus Dave 11, which if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, we're talking about a team made up of ex-Spurs players, all from countries in which we have had listeners since we started the podcast, which is a lot. So, you know, stand by for that. Um, so yeah, I'll read it out us. in the last podcast of the season. Yeah, I mean, we should hopefully have a pretty good team by then, but let's have an updated one anyway. So everyone stand by for that on Twitter. And of course, if you want to see that, follow us on Twitter. Our account on Twitter is at Plus Day Podcast. It's the same on Instagram. And just one other thing, I always mean to say this, but keep forgetting to throw it in there. Please do rate and review us on iTunes and you can also email us at plusdavepodcast at gmail.com which is exactly what Big Mike did. Big Mike being Mike Brooker, Joe's dad. I've actually just messaged saying, Dags, I've had a pretty bad couple of days. Roof shed blew off Greenhouse panels blew out, chimney fell over and broke. I purchased replacement panels for the greenhouse that I know are the wrong size. Two hours ago, I was deeply pissed off. Seriously pissed off. Manchester City 2, Tottenham Hotspur 3. What an absolutely fucking wonderful world. Who was that? That's Big Mike, Joe's dad. Outstanding email. Brilliant. And he continues to be one of our biggest fans. It's probably a close run thing between uh, him and your brother, Dave, isn't it, I think, in terms of our number one fan. I think there's a bit of a bit of a rivalry there. We do have other... Yeah, I think so. I think so. That's just us two. (laughs) Yeah, our two listeners. They just listen over and over again to inflate the numbers. Brilliant. So I say get in touch with us, please, if you have any thoughts or any questions or any points to let us know and who knows we might even read out your thoughts on the next episode so moving on to challenge elio then so as you will probably be very aware by now challenge elio is the portion of the show that we normally round things off with which is our trivia game where normally i pose questions to everybody and it takes the format of elio versus everyone else because elio is so smart and so clever and knows everything about spurs and everything about football this week will be no different we're returning to pretty standard format however I am going to throw in some slightly different questions this week, and the format is a little bit different. So you guys, I'm sure, are terrified by that prospect because you've seen how many times I try and mix things up and it goes horribly wrong. But the first question is, fittingly, all about Harry Kane. And I say question, it's actually a whole load of questions. What this is, quite simply, is just going to be a quick fire question and answer round, all about Harry Kane. Not particularly challenging questions. This is about speed. So 
we're going to have another buzzer round. I don't know if you've got your buzzer app ready, Dave, but if you want to just <laughs> make the buzzer sound. The buzzer app was uh, it had, had mixed results last time, didn't it? But let's let's see how yeah, it let's, goes. Let's, I'm just going to ask you guys uninstalled. a few questions, and it's going to be Joe and Dave versus Elio. So, guys, do you just want to make a buzzer noise, or do you just want to do you want to get a buzzer ready, or how are we going to do this? Elio, do you want to make a buzzer noise? Do you want to test your buzzer? <clears throat> Sounds like a buzzer. Excellent. Okay, Joe, have you got a buzzer? Uh, yeah, ours is buzz. <laughs> Sounds so unenthusiastic. I love it. <laughs> okay, you guys say buzz. Elio actually buzzes. This is foolproof. Okay, <laughs> quick fire. I'm going to read out some questions. Who was the first team Harry Kane went on loan to? <clears throat> Elio? Leighton Orient. That is correct. Point to Elio. Against whom did Harry Kane have his Tottenham debut? It was in the Europa League or a qualifier for the Europa League. Yeah, Redknapp brought him on. I think he was only 17 at the time. It was away. Buzz. Was it Hearts? Oh, Buzz. Oh, he didn't buzz. Was it, was it Hearts? he did buzz. It was Hearts. That's very well done. <laughs> I know you knew that one, Joe. Excellent. One all. What other well nation done, could Harry Kane have represented? Ireland. Correct. His father was from Galway. Harry Kane was born in the same hospital as which ex-England captain? David Beckham. Very good. And for a bonus point, can you name that hospital? I cannot. It's Whips Cross Hospital. <laughs> you can't make this up. <laughs> Whips Cross. That's where David Beckham Are you was serious? born. serious? Yeah, David Beckham was born in Whips Cross Hospital, as was Harry Kane, uh, which is excellent. I'm not, I'm not even take, keeping these down. Okay, who was the last club Harry Kane played for on loan? <clears throat> Norwich. No. Over to the other guys. Uh, Every time but- you get a question wrong, Elio, I doubt myself, and I feel like I've, I've actually <laughs> not looked it up properly. But that's not what I've got. Guys? Uh... Oh man, I'm trying to think now. Bournemouth. I no. do know who it was, so can I have a stab? You can. Leicester. Good bars and good answer. It was Leicester. Norwich and Leicester were the same season. I just couldn't remember what way round. When Harry Kane scored his first goal for Spurs, what was his shirt number? I'm oh, not shirt this numbers again. This is it wasn't one. nine because Darren Anderson probably had it. <laughs> <laughs> they retired the number nine shirt for Darren Anderson. 33? No. Buzz. Was it yeah. 25? No, we're going to be here all day. It was 37. <laughs> Number 37. What is the team Harry Kane... Imagine if I just let it carried on with that one. What is the team against whom Harry Kane has scored the most goals? <clears throat> yep. Leicester. It is Leicester for a second time in this quiz. Uh, what is Harry Kane's middle name? Connor. <laughs> buzz. You've got a buzz, Connor. Joe, and that's wrong. No, it's not Connor. Buzz. <clears throat> oh, God. Dave. Oh. <laughs> uh. No. What if he's Irish? It's Edward. It's It's not Siddy or Yaya. It is Edward. Very good. Very, very good. (laughs) Not Harry O'Kane. How many goals? I'll give you you a three-goal leeway here. Has Harry Kane scored for England? Oh, he does. Yep. 44. That is not within three goals of the right answer. (laughs) Guys? Um, It's 48. It is bang on 48. Very, very good. After calling him a bit chubby and not very athletic, which team's youth academy released Harry Kane as a child? Arsenal. Correct. Harry Kane scored his first hat-trick in October 2024 in a Europa League win over Asteras Tripoli. What else was notable about Kane's performance that day? He ended up in goal. He did indeed end up in goal. Very good. All right. In 2015, Kane became the first Spurs player to score 30 in a season since who? 
The first Spurs player to score 13 a season. First Spurs player to score 13. League goals are all, all competitions. I don't know. <laughs> These things are important. <laughs> I think it's... Uh, he didn't score 30 league goals in 2015, so it will be in all competitions. <clears throat> Gary Lineker? It is Gary Lineker. Come on, guys. Elio is showing you up well and truly. I mean, uh, there's no Harry reason Kane... for Dave to know any of these, in fairness. I don't know yeah, any of these. Guess. Who did Harry Kane replace as number 10 for Spurs? <clears throat> Emmanuel Adeboyle. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I'm going to end this round soon. Just put these guys out of their misery. You're going to um... get me a restraining order against Harry Kane here. <laughs> that's been my plan since the beginning Um, on the 23rd of December 2017 Harry Kane equaled the record of 36 Premier League goals in a calendar year in the Premier League jointly held by who a record he then broke the following week (coughs) have you Thierry Henry no guys come on you can get this Dave I have faith in you this is for 100 points I should have said that earlier earlier sorry I mean if he's not Henry is it Shearer it is Shearer very good against whom did Harry Kane score a hat-trick in the 2018 World Cup? Buzz. Yep. Uh, Panama. And the England question he gets right. Very good. <laughs> Who said this about Harry Kane? He's an outstanding player. As for being like me, I think he's probably got a little more than me to his game. <clears throat> Alan Do everything. No. And <laughs> I can't answer now, Elio, so it goes over to the other guys. Um, he can do everything I could, but he's got a bit of pace as well. He can go a long way. Brooker, did you say that? Yeah, yeah, it was it was me. <laughs> it was Joe. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I go with the other pundit uh, or match of the day, Ian Wright. No, uh, not Ian Teddy Wright. Sheringham. It was Teddy Sheringham. Very good, and I think that probably just about does it for that round. Very good performance from Elio, as always. Outstanding from Elio. Outstanding, outstanding performance, and I'm a little bit concerned with quite how well you know Harry Kane. <laughs> I was, the next question was going to be what is his home postal address, but I think <laughs> there. What flowers does he have in his back garden? Right, Dave. I feel like you're going to like this next round, Elio. I feel like you're going to hate it. So this is a never before done round on Challenge Elio, and this is a football manager around so i have in front of me an open save on this year's football manager and i'm looking at the tottenham hotspur squad and what i would like you guys to do is to just give me a random number and i will open the corresponding spurs player and you will take it in turns to ask me for attributes and i'm going to give you those attributes now for anyone who isn't familiar with football manager these are all on a scale of one to 20 and there's a whole load of them and we're going to see if you can guess the player by their attributes. And it is in this current Spurs squad. So Elio doesn't like stats. How can I piss him off as much as possible? <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact that Elio likes Football Manager. I don't think he likes us talking about it on the podcast, but he likes Football Manager. So give me a number between 1 and, I don't know, 23, I think we've got here. It's not in order of like number or anything in case you try to Surely Joe and Dave are going first. Yeah, Joe and Dave can go first on this one. Joe, first of all, do you play Football Manager? I feel like I've never talked to you about this. The last iteration of this game I played was uh, Championship Manager 3. Oh, in like 2001 or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are a few new stats since then, but I'm sure you'll manage. Um, right, so give me a number. 23. 23. <laughs> okay, right. So are you vaguely familiar with the stats on Football Manager, what the different attributes are, Joe specifically? I know Elio and Dave are. It'll I'm be sure all you can figure out what acceleration and stamina means. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> passing, shooting, finishing, long shots, all that kind of thing. Feel free to Google it, but just don't Google the actual answers and you can help it. Yeah, I know right, that. Uh, so give me a stat. Give me a stat. And then everyone write these down as well so you can keep track of them. You can try and put the puzzle together. I'm going to say from now, this is a horrible one and this could take about 10 minutes. 
Oh, wait, hang on, hang on. I need to give you a stat. Ask me for a stat and I'll give it to you. Right, hang on. First stat. Uh, let me start with shooting, because that's the obvious one. Finishing 12. Right, there's an example screenshot I've just Googled. Alfonso Davis. All right, cool. Finishing 12. Any <laughs> guess before we go back to earlier? Uh, hang on, what's it out of? 20. 20. 20. Yeah. Um... So I'm just writing this down. This is this is current Spurs current squad, Spurs right? squad, except for the January right. transfers. Yeah, uh, Oliver Skip. No, it's not Oliver Skip. Elio, give me a snap. Pace. Pace is thirteen. Thirteen pace and twelve finishing. Any guess? Deli Ali. No, it's not Deli Ali. Back to Joe and Dave. Dave, you want to give me a attribute? Work rate. Ooh, good one. Thirteen, <laughs> Mister Average here. This is a very average player. I, I'm actually upset that we picked this one because it's <laughs> it's going to be difficult. I'm looking at all of the stats and it's going to be difficult. But uh, Sessegnon. No, it's not Sessegnon. Back to Elias. Um, tackling. Tackling is 13. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of 13s. I'm just going to say that. Wow. We've not seen um, the end of the 13s. I'm going to go with Giovanni Lo Celso. It's not him. Guys, give me another attribute. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking at them at the moment. I'm genuinely I'm upset that this is the one we picked. I might pick Concentration. Concentration <laughs> is 14. He's getting better. <laughs> concentration 14. This really narrows it down, concentration, actually. I'm currently um, undecided as to whether this is a terrible or a genius idea. <laughs> no, I, I already like it. I don't even play yep. football manager and I like Good. this. Um, <laughs> I only wanted your approval, Joe. So it's got to be, got to be based on all the thirteens and the fourteens. Yeah, it simply has to be uh, Joe Rodon. No, it's not Joe Rodon. Back to Elio. <laughs> Give me another attribute. Um, crossing. Crossing is twelve. <laughs> Brilliant. Um... <laughs> I'm I'm genuinely looking at all these stats. And I'm trying to think if there's a single one that would actually really Doherty. Help. It is Matt Doherty. He's won it. Mr. <laughs> Average. The 13s across the board. It is Matt Doherty. Very wow. good. Right. Well done. I think I've been very generous. Let's do another very one. Very generous on this question. Uh, Elio, you give me a number now. Um, between 1 and 23. All right. And I won't tell you how I've ordered these, so I'm going to give it away. Give me one somewhere Six. in the middle. Six. Okay. Right. This one's a bit more interesting. Uh, give me an attribute. Um, let's go with passing. Passing is 12. <laughs> Okay. It's not Matt Darcy. <laughs> so football Dave, manager thinks we are very mediocre. Dave and Joe, what stat would you like to hear? Um, try on, try Dave, and pick some we haven't had already, maybe. Let's mix it up a bit. Uh, penalty taking. Penalty taking. <laughs> Eight. <laughs> I can't think I've ever seen this guy take a penalty, I will say. Penalty taking. Eight. Uh, let's go for Hoybier. It's not him. Elio. Acceleration. Acceleration is 13. <laughs> God, our players must be average. Um, ben Davies. No, it's not Ben Davies. Dave and Joe? Long shots. Long shots is five. <laughs> and may I remind you that Didier Zakora no longer plays for us, nor does Musa Sissoko. Uh, let's go for... Joe Rodon again. It's not Joe Rodon. Elio, which attribute would you like? Um, positioning. Positioning is 14. 
I'm going to go with Davinson Sanchez. Not Davinson Sanchez. Dave and Joe. Um, decisions. Decisions. 14. I think Dave and I are thinking along the same lines now. <laughs> <laughs> Any guess? Uh, Romero? It is Christian Romero. Very good. <laughs> Who also has aggression 18. <laughs> and determination 16. Tackling 17. Work rate 17. Oh, there you go. Maybe positioning, the slightly lower positioning is uh, him rushing out a little bit too aggressively earlier. So there you go. Needless to say, it suggests playing him as a stopper. All right, let's do one more and then we'll do the who am I to round things off. So Joe and Dave, give me another number and we'll see how that one goes. Go on, Dave, your uh, turn. Number nine. Number nine. Okay, this is interesting. This is interesting. Give me a stat. I'm struggling to think of new ones. Uh, so I'm just going to go back to some of the have to be new ones. So I'm going to go, I'm going to ask work rate again. Work rate is 13. <laughs> of course it's 13. Yeah. So Dave, who in the team, you know, works kind of hard. They kind of work hard. Who is it? <laughs> well, this one could be difficult. Cheers, Joe. Thank, thanks for explaining the game. <laughs> uh, Hugo Lloris. <laughs> no, it's not Hugo Lloris. Anyway. Um, creativity or vision, whatever it's creativity. called. Creativity. Oh, vision. 14. Harry Winks. It's not Harry Winks, I'm afraid. Dave Joe. Good, because 14 would be way too much. <laughs> uh, marking. Marking is 12. I'm not sure about some of these stats, you know. Um, 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 Oliver Skip? No. Elio? Um, what, how many people have turned off the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Technique. Technique is 16. Okay. It's quite good. It's a green. Green stat, eh? I'm going to mm. go with Ndombele. With work rate 13? You sure? <laughs> You're uh, right. It is. <laughs> for Leon. It is a Dombele. Yeah, who is technically still part of our squad and he is in the game. So, yeah. Uh, notable stats include 16 dribbling, 16 balance, 16 strength. But, yeah, that is probably a pretty flattering work. What stamina? Say. His stamina is 13 as well. So, uh, I mean, you, we've played saves on this game. This game massively overrates Dombele, but luckily we don't have to talk about him too much these days. He's so, playing very uh, well, well for Leon. We'll move on from that. Well, there you go. So that was our first ever, who knows, maybe last ever, Football Manager Plus Dave episode. So loving that. Right. To round things off in a Plus Dave tradition and a tradition in which Dave himself normally comes out on top. This is the Who Am I game. And in case the name isn't already obvious, this is a game where I will give a series of clues describing a former or current Spurs player. And the guys will take in turns to guess who I'm talking about based on those clues. So I can't even remember who it was yet. Who am I doing this week? Good start. Right. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, right, I have my player. And who goes first? Elio got the last one right. So let's give the first clue to Team Joe and Dave. Give me a number. One. One. I am six foot two inches tall. Loris. <laughs> no, it's not Loris. Elio, which clue would you like? Three. Three. I have played for five English clubs, two on loan. Hmm. Harry Kane. Nope, it's not oh, Harry Kane. Sorry. I was about to say you don't have to guess, but I know that's uh, going to fall on deaf ears. Guys, number? Uh, five. 
number five. I have scored 27 goals in my career. Any guesses? Eric Dyer. It's not Eric Dyer. Elio, back to you. What numbers have we had so far? I have no idea. There is literally no point in asking <laughs> the there is number. So I'm just going to give you some. <laughs> no, 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 it's no, just no, a waste no, no, of time. Don't be stupid. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't aware I was being stupid, but okay. <laughs> two. All right, two. I have made the PFA Team of the Year. Uh... I mean, that does narrow down a lot, but whether it helps or not. Five English clubs, two on loan, PFA Team of the Year. And 27 career goals. What was the other clue? Mm-hmm. Six foot two. Deli Alley. No. Good guess, though. I know he scored um, many more career think... goals than that. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's the only one that probably doesn't line up. Guys, number? Or do you just want a clue? Uh, four. I have won the Europa League. Europa or UEFA? Europa. Any guesses, guys, or are you going to give it back to Elio? Uh, Michael Carrick. It is Michael Carrick. He's done it again. How? Dave this with is ridiculous. Win. This is outrageous. <laughs> it makes no. What is your you secret? Are you Google League? Be honest. We'll, we won't Six judge. Six foot two, you. and Actually, he played for five English clubs and <laughs> two online, and he's got twenty-seven goals. I'm amazed he scored as many as twenty-seven goals. goals. Yeah, I don't know. He's had a fair, fair. career. I mean, what so was that? About like one and a, one and a half a year. Five English clubs, yeah. two on loan. So he played for Spurs, West Ham and Manchester United as permanent clubs. Who were the two loan clubs? Uh, I haven't written that down, Elio, I'm afraid. I'm really sorry. You can look it up yourself, but I, I can't tell you. Uh, what I can tell you, though, is that he did actually start his career as a schoolboy, as a striker. So maybe it's not that surprising that he scored a few goals. He has 34 international caps, 64 games for Spurs, scoring twice. He received one red card in his entire professional career, which is quite impressive. He's won the FA Youth Cup. He grew up supporting Newcastle. Would that have helped? Yeah, that would have you ever helped. You heard him speak? I mean, he is a Geordie, so... <laughs> he is a Geordie. And this is the one I was saving for the end as a kind of probably would have given it away clue. In 2015, the Telegraph named me at number one in their list of the top 20 most underrated footballers of all time. Not what title you? you want. <laughs> I don't know, is it? I think it, he, he might have felt quite relieved at that. Um, I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't want to be called underrated or the most underrated. It's, I know it's a compliment, but it it, it is a compliment. You've not had the plaudits you should have had. I feel like calling anyone it's underrated like you're not appreciated in your time. is quite ironic, given that the second you're saying it's you're underrated, paradoxical, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swindon Town and Birmingham City. A couple of quotes here about Michael Carrick. Oh, thanks, Dave. Thanks for that. Saved me the effort. Um, I was never going to let that up. A couple of quotes here. One, this is from um, everyone's favourite cockwomble, Gary Neville. It was like going to a bar and hearing a piano playing. It's relaxing. Listening to some good rock is good, and you like that too. But sometimes it's nice to listen to a piano. Very poetic from Gary Neville there. And here is another quote from none other than the manager we most recently bested, Pep Guardiola. He's one of the best holding midfielders I have ever seen in my life, by far. He's the level of Xabi Alonso, Sergio Busquets. One of the best by far. What does that even mean? Yeah, I mean that doesn't. I'm not sure about the English there, but you get the sentiment. It's quite high praise from. But Guardiola every time Guardiola gets asked about a player, he says they're the best he's ever seen. So I don't. I don't Did know. Say that about Phil means. Foden. Yeah, yeah. it's the best he's ever <laughs> ever managed, and he's managed Messi. Naughty Phil Foden getting into trouble after losing to us yesterday, going off to the boxing and getting into a fight. Well, technically, it's his mum that got into the fight, but yeah, his mum got into the fight. Wow. Yeah, I've seen the video. Yeah. It's um, it's not pleasant. 
I think she was standing up for him when someone threw abuse at him. So fair yeah, enough. Basically. But at the same time, have a bit of common sense. One of my favourite stories of the weekend, which I, I hesitate to mention because it shines a light on a rather unsavoury incident that we're all aware of recently in world football. Um, but apparently during West Ham's game with Newcastle, Craig Dawson complained to the referee because apparently Chris Wood kept on going up to Kurt Zuma and meowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah chris wood went up in my Which estimation is just genius i mean it's horrible i feel like bad because i'm laughing about ultimately because Zuma kicking his cat which is horrible and i have no sympathy for zuma but i mean well, that's just hilarious that's that's some good old-fashioned southern hemisphere cricket sledging mm. going on there isn't it <laughs> i mean a load of the newcastle fans showed up with inflatable cats in the crowd as well although i'm not sure where newcastle get off getting on their high horses and morality these days but uh, that's a conversation for another time perhaps. one of the replies on the the tweet i think you shared one of the, the tweets about this Dagus made me laugh was someone said everything changes when you realize that uh, there's uh, is that graham suness clip mm. talking about the, he doesn't believe the cat's done anything <laughs> wrong but uh, someone someone replied saying everything changes when you realize that suness is talking about a jazz musician and uh the, the idea being that he's just a he's just a swinging cat you didn't do anything <laughs> like <laughs> Any other notable tweets? Actually, this one made me laugh. I I think, Dave, you probably shared this one. Arriving at Leeds on a train from Manchester, plenty of Man United fans on board. Driver just announced, welcome to Leeds. Actually, you're not welcome at all, but here we are. Excellent. Love that. Um, So, yeah, there we go. Another great week, guys. We're a good hour and a half into this one, but I think this one warranted a bit of extra time, didn't it? We got nine minutes of extra time in the match. And we need to actually milk this because this is probably our best result. Maybe for the next couple of years. Who knows? Who knows when we see another result like that? Any closing thoughts before we let everyone get on with their lives? Uh, see you guys Matt. next week in London. Yeah, see you on Saturday. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. We we do have a little bit of, of a special treat for everybody next week. I mean, it's probably more of a treat for us in, in truth than everyone else because it will, won't make a huge amount of difference to the listening experience. But we, we're going very professional next week. Thanks in no small part to Dave and his connections. Dave, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what we're doing next week? Well, uh, one exciting of, day out. Uh, one of my good friends uh, runs a film studio in uh, in London, and uh, well, they've just they've just fil- fitted out a new podcast suite. So we are their guinea pigs, but it does give us an mm. opportunity to have less echoes on our voices and s- sit in the same room. And uh, we might even be filming a bit of it. So you never know. We might get some clips on uh, online, which would be fun. Indeed. Very excited about We might this. see all of our faces. Hard as it might be to believe, given the consistent, excellent quality of our podcast, we don't actually sit in a professional studio. We're all sitting at home in our respective living rooms and offices. And this will be a nice change. So we'll all be together. We'll all be in our Spurs and Leeds shirts, fresh from the pub, hopefully not too drunk. And you will have a very special episode to look forward to. And we will also have the return, as we mentioned earlier, of Elio versus Dave, which Joe has been working extremely hard on. And he ran a few of the questions through me earlier. And they're good. They're good. I I found them suitably challenging. And I think you guys are going to have a good time. Uh, Hopefully it's even half as dramatic as it was the last time around. So to all you guys listening, hopefully you'll join us again for that next week. And we'll have a lot of fun. And hopefully we'll have just as much fun watching the game. So until then, have a great week. Stay classy, Spurs fans. We will see you next week. (laughs) 